Now we're going to read the scriptures and we're turning tonight to Psalm 26. There's one particular text of scripture that I want to emphasize this evening. Psalm 26, we're going to read all 12 verses, reading, of course, from the authorized verse. Let's hear the word of God. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar. O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place wherein thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief. And their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Psalm 26 and the verse 2. And my theme this evening I've entitled, An End of Year Prayer for Divine Examination. You see, Psalm 26 has been rightly called by the commentators, A Prayer for Divine Examination. And in these 12 verses, the psalmist is asking the Lord to judge him. It's as if he's putting himself on trial before the Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. You see, here he's asking the Lord to search his heart, to search his mind, to see if there's any wicked way in him. And as proof that he is not a wicked, evil, sinful man, he tells the Lord that he has a big regard for the fact that the Lord himself is Jehovah, that he's the true and the living God, that, that he's the God of the covenant. The psalmist tells the Lord that he's trusted in him for salvation. As further evidence, he cites his hatred for sin and love for righteousness. He tells the Lord, Lord, I hate sin and love righteousness in contrast to the lifestyle of wicked and sinful men. He tells the Lord that he's a love for his house, a love for his day, the day that's set aside for worship. He's a love for his word, his work, his will, his ways. You see, he's pleading with the Lord here. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with 
bloody men. He's fully aware, you see, of a day of judgment to come. He's fully aware that there'll be a day of doom for the wicked, that that will be fully disclosed and finally sealed. And therefore, whatever the crisis was that prompted the psalmist to offer this prayer for divine examination, was it Saul's persecution of him? Was it Absalom's rebellion? Was it something else? We don't know. But something triggered the need in his life for the offering of this prayer. And as I've said, it's a prayer for divine examination. Now, it's interesting, young people, that the word examine in verse 2 is mentioned 11 times in the Bible. It's mentioned in Ezra 10, verse 16. It's mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and in the verse 5. And if you listen to these words, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, the um, Apostle Paul said this, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. You see, the psalmist is not saying... Examine yourselves as Paul did. Now you've got this prayer from the lips of the psalmist, but it's different from the other prayers. Paul was praying, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. We could think of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. There's only one prayer in the scriptures that the child of God gets before the Lord and cries out, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. And that's what I want to think about tonight. Three things. Note the principle that is introduced. Examine me, O Lord. Now we'll pause. You're familiar, young people, with the word examine. And you're well versed in the knowledge that the word examine introduces an important principle in life. Think, for example, of educational examination. Children... Young people, even those at primary school, secondary school, university, they, they have to undergo at certain times in the year important exams. And, and Christmas time or January time is one of those times. And you're tested then in your skill, in the things that you've been taught and the things that you've learned in different areas of study, math and English and spelling, so on and so forth. But we're all familiar with the medical examination. At times we have to pay a visit to the doctor. Some of us have had to do that recently. Some go for an annual checkup and they get a physical health check. Blood pressure, cholesterol level, uh, your vitamin C, your vitamin D levels, or whether you have a cough, uh, whether it's a dry cough or a chesty cough, and you want to find out if your lungs are caught, if you need antibiotics. You'll probably not get them if you do, but... Um, Anyway, you're familiar with the thought. Medical examination. What about a motor examination? Car that's four years old, like mine, needs to have a, an MOT test on an annual basis. What about a business examination? The time comes in the principle of a small shop or a larger shop or any type of business. There's, there's stock taking to be done. The owner wants to find out how the business is doing. 
How much have we sold? What's left in the shelf to sell? How much profit did we make? And the businessman's always looking for profit, isn't he? Or have we made a loss? You see, if you have a good accountant, the accountant will come and examine the books and they'll either be healthy or they'll be bad. And uh, that's called a business examination. But tonight we're not thinking when the psalmist prayed, examine me, O Lord, of an educational or a medical or a motor or a business examination. We're thinking of a, a spiritual examination. And I thought at the end of the year, the last Sunday in 2021, the very last service, there's no better time to get before the Lord and pray, examine me, O Lord. Lord, take a look at my spiritual life. Lord, examine my true spiritual condition. You see, at the end of the year, we can look back. We think of the path that we've trodden, the life that we've lived before the Lord. And we can examine our own Christian life from the first day of the year until now. But we also can examine the life and state of the church. We think about its finances. We think about its attendance. We think about the losses in a physical sense and the gains. And you know as well as I do that we in the church have sustained three big losses this year. We think of the death and home call of Frank Campbell on the 30th of May. I think of my own mother-in-law. We've appreciated your prayers and support, Molly Liggett, on the 7th of September. And we think of the shock that we've got when we heard the news on Wednesday morning, the 22nd of December, of the death and home call of the late Billy Coulter. And Billy Coulter was a gentleman. He was a gem, a gracious, godly, good man, a giver uh, of his time and, and everything else, even toward this work as well as martyrs. And you know what we need? I'll tell you, well, you know what we need. We need new gains. And while we're thankful for the new gains last year and the year before that, we need new families for, for 2022. And I pray that young and old, middle-aged, and everyone that's in debt, and everyone that's discouraged, and everyone that's depressed would come to carry off FPC. And that this church would be like a cave of a dullum for many. You see, the individual needs to examine the state and heart of his life before the Lord. But we need to do it collectively. You know what tonight, as a spiritual exercise, you could put yourself before the Lord. Before you begin the process of judging someone else, judge yourself first. You see, we need to look at ourselves first. That's the principle of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, dealing with judging others, dealing with spiritual discernment. See, so often we look at what others are doing. We look at what others are saying. We look at how others are living. And even at times what others are wearing. And you know what? We need to take a step back. We need to be honest with the Lord. We need to humble ourselves before him. And we need to pray, examine me, O Lord. And I believe, as I've said, there's no better time to do that than the end of the year. Spiritual stock-taking. Now, I want to say this. I appreciate your faithfulness and your dedicated support for Kaidoff FPC down through the years. Those in-house 
and those online. And that growing community online, we're thankful to God for them. I want to say I want to thank you for coming, even again tonight, and for maintaining the services. I want to thank the Lord for your help with the children's ministry, to get the Sunday school up and running, to get the children's meeting going. We appreciate your prayerful support, and times it's been ones and twos. And literally I can say tonight, if I leave a thought with you, pray for us, because we need prayer. We need the Lord to come and work. And the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And if we're going to see new gains, then it has to be the Lord's doing. But there's also a tremendous need to examine our hearts before the Lord. That's the principle that's introduced here. Examine me, O Lord. Now, there was something else that came to mind as I thought of these words. I want you to think of the people that's involved. The psalmist prayed, examine me, O Lord. So we're going to ask this question. Who can pray this prayer? I want to tell you tonight, there's four different kinds of people can pray this prayer. A believer could pray this prayer. A man or woman who's saved, examine me. What does they add? And prove me, try my reins and my heart. The word reins, by the way, is a reference to the kidneys. And it's widely believed that it's to dealing with the seat of affections, the things that affect the individual mood. The heart has to do with the uh, seat of one's will and emotions, that decision-making process. But it's wide enough to include those mental and emotional feelings. In other words, whenever the psalmist prayed, examine me, O Lord, and prove me, try my reins and my heart. He was really praying, Lord, examine the whole of me, every aspect of my life. See, the true believer tonight can look back. He can pinpoint the very day, the hour, the date that he came to personal faith in Christ as Lord and Redeemer. He looks into his heart. He thinks of his mind and he bears witness and testimony that the love of God is in his heart and truth. And if the Lord Jesus was to come and say, like he did to Peter, lovest thou me? Then the answer would be, Lord, thou knowest. And I want to tell you tonight, the ungodly world, the sinful men and women that make up society, they know a true and real man of God. And they could say, there goes a man of God. There goes a, a, a woman of God. And a true believer in life's journey can look up to the Lord. And he can say, Lord, be my strength. Lord, be my help. Lord, be merciful to me. Now tonight I want to ask you, as we think of a spiritual health check, I want to ask every believer who's listening to me now in house and online, I want to ask you six very important questions. And I want you to apply them in your heart and life as a kind of spiritual health check. Here's the first question tonight. You ready? Where are you with the Lord? The psalmist prayed, examine me, O Lord. The word O, I believe, is wrenched out of his heart. He's thinking, where am I spiritually with the Lord in light of eternity? Is this not a very vital and solemn but necessary question? 
Do we really love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength? And in light of loving the Lord, do we really love our neighbor as ourselves? And because of our love for the Lord and our love for our neighbor and our loyalty to Christ, we're not a lover of sales. Doesn't the Bible say that in the last days perilous times shall come? For men shall be what? Lovers of their own selves. And a true believer, because of his love for the Lord and love for Christ and, and, and love for his neighbor, he'll not be filled and controlled with self-love. And there's a vast difference between self-love and the Savior's love. And yet in our day, sadly and regrettably, men and women and young people can be full of a love for self. It's a me first generation, not the master. And that's seen in their life choices. And that's seen in the decisions that they make. But the true believer, you see, at the center of his life is this controlling and guiding principle in all that he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Where are you with the Lord tonight, spiritually in light of eternity? Here's the second question. Are you committing any known or secret sin? Let's face reality. Sin's a big problem in the life, even of a believer. We can be guilty of secret, presumptuous, even sadly open sins. We know sin is wrong in God's sight. Now, I'm not saying that a believer could ever be sinless this side of eternity. Don't believe in sinless perfection this side of eternity. But I do know this, that the believer must and he will have a hatred for sin. We call ourselves Christians. We sing to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus, all I ask is to be like him all through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like him. And what was he like? Oh, let's set aside anything physical. But let's think of this. He says, I have hated iniquity and I have loved righteousness. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. That's the key to being like Christ, a hater of sin and a love of righteousness. You know what the Bible says? The Lord knows them that are his. We can sing, now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. But then the Lord adds this, but let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What's your attitude? to secret, presumptuous, and even open sins. Are you committing any known secret, presumptuous, and open sins? Remember John, 1 John 1, verse 7 to 9. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son cleanseth us from all sin. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Stop for a moment. Let's remember, let's realize something important. A true believer can and does and will sin. And we we'll do it before the Lord. We must recognize our sin on a daily basis. We must repent of it and repudiate it. So I want to ask this question. Is there a particular sin that we're holding on to that we're not repenting of, recognizing a sin, or repudiating? You see, we can talk about the wee lie. 
we can talk about the wee lust, the wee fag, the wee bottle. Think of Noah who walked with God and the great man that Noah was. But in the end of his days, what did he do? He built a vineyard. And what happened? Was that wrong? No. But he ended up in a drunken stupor. See, drunkenness is a sin. And it ruined and marred his testimony. And I say to you young people tonight, beware of making shipwreck in life's journey. Especially if you profess to be saved. Sin's a barrier. Sin is a burden. Sin will bring you down. It will hold you back. Here's the third question. What does your prayer life consist of as a Christian? Remember the prophet Samuel, 1 Samuel 12 and 23. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and cease to pray for you. Do you pray as a Christian? You do. Praise the Lord. How much time do you spend on your knees before God? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Your prayer life tells a lot about the true state and condition of your spiritual health. And you see, I want to emphasize tonight, we, and I include myself, I am sinning against the Lord if I do not pray. There is such a thing as private prayer at home. And I'm not emphasizing that you have to spend hours, but even a few minutes in the day, ere you left your home this morning, did you think to pray? Before you got out to go to work, before you get into the car, but before you set off for school or university. What about public prayer? Gathering with the people of God in the house of God for a time of prayer. And, and, and every true believer, I believe, should be at the public prayer meetings of the house of God. And we have three here in the week. Two, Sabbath morning, Sabbath evening, and a midweek prayer meeting. And, and the members should put in an appearance. They, they should be present. Did you know that the great Martin Luther spent three hours per day praying? I'm amazed at that. Where did he get the time, Martin? He was up every morning at 4 a.m. Before dawn broke. 4 a.m. every day in his life to 7 p.m. He was on his knees before God in prayer. You ever hear of praying John Hyde? He was a great prayer warrior. You've heard of Daniel. He was a man of prayer. Daily he prayed what the children sing? Three times. Morning, noon and evening. Psalm 55 and verse 17. Daniel 6 and 10. That was the daily habit of the man of God. And you know young people, it's good to form a daily habit. And you know, the enemies in Daniel's day sought to bring in a law to stop Daniel praying. And despite the danger, Daniel carried on before God in prayer. And he was willing to suffer the consequences. Oh, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to follow his example. Here's the fourth question. Are you a diligent student of the scriptures? 1 Timothy 4 verse 13 says, give attendance to reading. Revelation 1 and 3 says, blessed is he that readeth the words of the prophecy of this book. Paul encouraged Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And remember the psalmist, Psalm 1, the first psalm, the, the godly man. 
What do we read of him? He's a man of one book. Not only a man who said no to sin, but a man of one book. Psalm 1 verse 2. The law of the Lord didn't depart out of his mouth. He meditated upon it day and night. He was constantly reading and pondering the book. Now let me tell you something. You've heard of George Miller of Bristol. Do you know the many times he read the Bible, young people? A hundred times. I feel ashamed as a preacher of the word of God. Seven chapters every day for 50 years. What a testimony. Now we have a reading program. We encourage you to follow it. Robert Murray McShane. You can read the Bible through once and the Psalms twice. Four chapters a day. Two private and two public. We've provided copies. We encourage you to use them. And maybe you say, but you know what, Mr. McLaughlin, I've tried. It's difficult. It's so hard. I've given up. Well, remember when I was in quarantine, I came across the whole Bible online. And there's a man by the name of Alexander Scurvy, or Scobie, I trust I pronounced it right. Forgive me if I haven't. And he has quite a following. And you can follow the daily Bible readings online. In fact, I read the Psalms during the time of quarantine. And I know it's a challenge to get into the habit. And I know that we need to be disciplined. But remember, there's individual believers who've been saved 30, 40 years and have never read the Bible through once. Is that not a shame on us? Oh, we have time for other books. The Reader's Digest, or what could we say, the television magazines, the Radio Times. Be a man or woman of one book. Set aside time every day, 15 minutes, 20, maybe five minutes at the minimum. Drop everything else and get the hold of the book of God and you pray a wee prayer. And this is what you pray, Lord, speak to me out of your book. Teach me that that's another prayer. Let me ask you the fifth question. Are you living in the center of God's will? You see, that's a most vital question, isn't it? What is God's will for my life? We're now at the end of another year, the start of a new. And we know that in Romans 12 and 2 that God's will is good. It's certainly not bad. And God's will is acceptable it's well thought of and God's will is perfect it's tailor made to suit individual needs you should want to know what's God's good perfect and acceptable will for you you've heard of oh I'm living in God's second best the Lord has asked you to do something you've refused, you've put a job you've put money, you've put a girl you've put a boy, you've put sport before the Lord you're claiming that you're living in God's second best well I've got a problem with that see I don't believe in God's second best I believe this, that we're either in the will of God or we're out of the will of God so the question is this are you living in the center of God's will Here's the final question, the sixth question. Are you publicly and daily confessing Christ? Over there in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 10, and in the verse 9 and 10, we read this tremendous statement of the Apostle Paul. He said this 
in Romans 10 and verse 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, when you're saved, the love of God in your heart, you have a love for your neighbor, you'll want to tell others. You, you'll, you'll never want to be a secret disciple. You, 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 you'll live to tell others. So I challenge my heart, what kind of witness am I in Alveston? What kind of witness are you where you live? Are you a good witness for Christ? Or are you a bad witness? You see, that's very important. We should be praying, Lord, lead me to some soul today. Lord, give me the very right words to say. If we have an eye and a passion for souls. Remember the Bible says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And many souls are perishing tonight. These six questions apply to the believer. The, 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 the people that is involved. It's the believer first. But, but let me wrap this up tonight. Because it's also addressed to the backslider. Can a backslider not look back to a time when he got saved and trusted Christ? And for a time all went well. But we'll ask the questions, where is that backslider now? Have I committed known and secret sin? Is my prayer life null and void? I haven't talked to the Lord in ages. It's been a long time since he's spoken to me. I'm not daily reading the Bible. I'm not in the center of God's will. I'm not publicly confessing Christ. You see, in the days of Haggai, Haggai chapter 1 the people of God were in a backslidden state. The building program had stopped. The people were doing their own thing. They were living right according to their own eyes, but not according to the mind and will of God. They said it's not the time for the Lord's house to be built. And twice the Lord sent Haggai. And Haggai stood before them and he thundered this. Consider your ways. And you know, Ulster tonight needs such a man. To go to the church and to go to the country that's full of backslidden men and women, young people. And he says to them, consider your ways. Because your ways are not the ways of the Lord. Your heart tonight is cold inside. Oh, it's easy to criticize others, isn't it? How many tonight criticize the preacher? Too long-winded. Too boring. Too hard in sin. Too unloving. You see... It's only an excuse because their conscience is pricked and they know that they need to get right with the Lord. Let me illustrate. One of our ministers had a woman at church and she come to him one night and she said, preacher, I'll not mention his name, you know my story. Tears running down her face. She said, I'm a broken hearted woman. I'm ashamed of my lifestyle. I trusted Christ 10 years ago. But I've been backslidden 10 years. And the heart is cold and careless. I'm a shame preacher. But I would like to return. I would like to come back. Is there any hope for me? And he opened Psalm 51. He talked to her about the softening of David's heart. He talked to her about a sorrow for sin. He talked to her about a struggle to return. And he said to her, thank God. He is married to the backslider. He can forgive your sin. He pointed her to a loving heavenly father. 
to a wonderful Savior who was waiting, a lovely and wonderful comforter who was working for her return. And thank God that woman returned as a broken-hearted, ashamed woman and came back to Christ. Young people, if you're a backslider, don't waste your life. Don't live for self or self-indulgence. Confess your backsliding to the Lord. He's a loving Heavenly Father. Christ is a loving Savior. There's a loving Comforter all working tonight for your return because he is married to the backslider. Consider your ways. Let me also address the professor tonight. Maybe you're a professor of religion. You see, I fear that there may be some amongst those who profess to be backslidden are false professors. They have a date, they have a time they can look back to. But the life that they lived is a life of denial, of the reception of Christ. It's a life of hypocrisy. It's a life of misery. Let me explain again by way of an illustration. I want you to think of a young woman brought up in the Free Presbyterian Church. She, she married a man who wasn't saved. She professed to be saved, but she wanted her husband to come to the free church. Now, he belonged to the local Presbyterian church, and he didn't come. And for many years that passed, that young woman who professed to be saved never, ever darkened the door of the free church. And the odd time, her husband went to the Presbyterian church. But they lived an ungodly lifestyle. And I mean ungodly. I'll not go into the details. This is a true story. And then one day, amazingly, in the sovereign purposes of God, the husband got saved. He was called Robert. And he began to pray for his wife. And his life changed. And he now loved the Lord. And guess where he was attending? Bethel Free Presbyterian Church in Enniskillen. He brought his wife out with him. She professed to be saved. Nine months passed. She awoke one night in tears. She gave Robert a big dig in the ribs. Get up. You're killing me. I can't stick this. So he got up. Can you imagine the husband getting up, rubbing his eyes? What is it, dear? She says, I want you to pray with me. And she burst into tears. And they got down at their knees at the side of the bed at three or four o'clock in the morning. And she confessed her sin and she cried out, Lord, I've only professed to be saved for years. Lord, I come to the front with all the rest of the young people because I didn't want to be left out. But Lord, my heart was never changed. I was never truly born again of the Holy Spirit. Lord, save me in Jesus' name. I want to tell you tonight, now listen to me carefully. There's many in Ulster and they profess to be saved, but they have no real repentance. And there was no real reception of Christ. And there's no real reconciliation to the Lord. And there was no real regeneration of heart. Doesn't the Bible say? Doesn't the Bible make it clear? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And all things are of God. Let me take you tonight to Balamina. There's a man there giving out tracts. You don't know him. You never met him. I did. This is his name. Jasper McGowan. One day he was giving out tracks and he said, A track, sir. This very well dressed man with a posh accent. 
about to take the track from Jasper, says, do you know who I am, sir? Jasper said, no. He says, I'm professor so-and-so, and I'm teaching such-and-such a subject at Queen's University. Jasper handed him the tract and says, do you know who I am, sir? The man says, no, I never met you before in my life. Who are you? He says, I'm Possessor McGowan from Collybaggy. Are you a professor of religion tonight, but haven't got the real thing? Maybe you're a sinner as we finish. Want to ask the question? Are you anxious for your soul tonight? You know you're a sinner. The Holy Ghost has been at work in your heart and life for months and for years, but there's an inward rebellion. You know nothing of the Lord's peace and pardon. You're being distracted by the world, its gaze, its gifts, its glitter, its gold, but you have no peace and you have no prospect of heaven. And if you die in your sins, you'll await punishment and doom for all eternity. And the Bible says, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. And you can go to God and you can say, examine me, O Lord, and prove me and try my reins in my heart. The people that's involved. One final thing, the plea that's instructive. Examine me. You see, it's very important. Regardless of who you are, God deals with you as an individual, either a believer, a backslider, a professor, or a sinner. It's inclusive. It's the whole of me. It's all of me, every part, all my ways, throughout my days. A full inspection, Lord. Leave nothing out. I want to tell you it's an instant examination. Every one of God's people, now, at this time, at the end of the year, because time is short, time is running out, time will soon be over. And here's the plea that he offers that's so instructive. Examine me. This is important, Lord. This is for me as an individual. Lord, this is inclusive, but I want it now. Will you pray that prayer tonight as a believer, as a backslider, or a professor, or as a sinner? Because you're included. May the Lord take this word and apply it to your heart this evening.